Bringing plagues on Egypt was a big job, and when Aaron had to bring the frogs that were going to swarm throughout the entire country, the question is, how exactly did he do that? Rashi offers two possibilities through which he teaches us an important lesson about getting the job done. Well, certainly when it comes to a spiritual job, our responsibility to mitzvahs or our responsibility to our fellow Jew. So, fun pasuk vayet Aaron es yodoi goyim. The pasuk that says that Aaron stretched out his hand vatala hatzvadeh vatchaseres mitzrayim, and the frog came out and covered the entire Israel. So, two things: vatal, the frog came out of the river, or the frogs, and vatchas covered the entire uh, land of Egypt. So Rashi quotes those two words that the tzvadeh came out of the river. And Ismaforash explains as follows. First of all, it's a singular word, so it tells us that it was a single frog that came out of the river. So the Egyptians went crazy, they started to hit that frog. And it spurted out streams of new frogs. So what's Rashi's concern over here? In Pashtus, it's the Rashi's concern. It would seem that Rashi's concern is why the expression is in the singular if it's going to cover the entire land of Egypt. So therefore Rashi explains that it already was one frog right at the beginning. But because all the Egyptians got involved and started to beat it, it spread into streams and streams of frogs. You find a similar question raised in the Gemara Sanhedrin and in the Medrash Shmois Rabbah, why it says Tzvadeh in the singular and gives two different explanations and brings the roof Tzvadeh, two opinions. Rabbi Akiva Oimer Tzvadeh or Achas Hoisor. Rabbi Akiva says there was a single frog that came out of the Nile. Vehi Hishritza Molokaler Tzmitzrayim and it spawned out of the normal birthing process millions of frogs that swarmed over the whole of Israel uh, of Egypt. says, why do you have to create this strange interpretation? It was a single frog that came out. Gave a whistle or a croak or whatever it did. And all the other frogs came out of the river to join it. So therefore, we have to ask ourselves, we've got such plausible explanations. Why does Rashi go with such a strange explanation? We know that Rashi's interpretation is is based on the simplest understanding of the, of, of the Pasuk. Because the principle that Hashem does not do unnecessary miracles is a principle that would make sense according to the simplest understanding of the Pasukim as Rebbe once previously explained. So logic dictates If a miracle did occur The plague of frogs was definitely a miracle To the extent that we could explain Some kind of natural parameters for that miracle Then we don't have to come up with a version of the miracle That completely breaks every known law of nature because whatever unnecessary additional miracles, we'd ask the question, Hashem doesn't do miracles unnecessarily. So if that's the case, if the logic of Pshat says, let's find a miracle that is somewhat plausible, why then does Rashi quote the Midrash insight, which is, that they hit that one frog and it spurted streams of other frogs, 
was er sehen ist. Das ist kein Miracle, als durch die Kohle sollen sich von ihr herauskommen. Nein, wir schaffen in der Kinem, in der Kinem. That by hitting a frog, that's going to cause new frogs to emerge, and not just one or two, but streams of them. That is something that has no reading in the natural world. Why does Rashi go with that? Where he could have explained, aligned with the Gemara or the Medrash Rabbah, that there was a frog that summoned the other frogs. As Rashi explains there in the Gemara, that all the other frogs in the world heard the sound of this frog and they came to join it. Yes, it's a miracle that a, a frog is able to summon all the other frogs, but it's not a crazy miracle that says you create new frogs by hitting a frog. Or at the very least, go through that somehow this frog spawned an incredible amount of new frogs. Which of course would have been completely miraculous. But it would be a miraculous version of a natural phenomenon. Birth. <coughs> Rashi explains that the word Hishritza means that they came out through the normal, normal birthing process. Why does Rashi go for what would seem to be the most extreme version of the miracle? Now that's not the end of Rashi. Rashi then continues, what I've just explained to you is a perspective according to the Medrash. The simplest way to understand it, a swarm of many, many frogs could be referred to in a singular word, Tzvardeh. And he proves it. You're going to see in the next of the, uh, the Makos, you're going to see with the lice, that it speaks about all these incredible amounts of lice. And it says, which means, the swarming of lice. And to help the five-year-old learning Chumash for the first time to really appreciate this. So, Rashi translates it into French. That's the word for a frog. My French pronunciation not so great. It's a different word, also in French, which sounds very much like a frog, but it's actually the word for a swarm. So, first question. We know that Rashi's primary objective is to explain the simplest interpretation of the Psukim. Any time where the Pshat is not straightforward, then Rashi will borrow from the Medrash to help smooth things over. So, how come over here does Rashi do the reverse? How come Rashi first brings the Pirish? That Rashi himself defines as the Midrashic approach. Why does he put that before the interpretation that he himself is going to call the Pshat? His job is Pshat. That's his priority. A little bit more technical question. We get it. There's the word Hatzfardea, singular for a frog. And Rashi has to explain to us that it means a swarm. On the far status of the Shen which is why it is in the singular, because it's a massive swarm. It's we understand. And we get why Rashi has to explain it, because. Because it's difficult to believe that the word Svardaya, single frog, means the spreading of a swarm of frogs. 
Pashtet Nit in Pasuk, which is not stated in the Pasuk. And especially because the concept of swarming is not unique to frogs. So why would the word specifically for a frog be the word to describe swarming, which is common to many types of creatures? So that's where Rashi is going to have to prove his point by telling us. Look what's going to happen in the next Makkah. There you've got the word Kinom, which translates as swarming. Again, even though swarming is not unique to lice, but the Torah will use a word that sounds like the creature to describe the particular swarming of that creature. So that's what Rashi is showing us. The word Svarda, which means a frog, can be used by the Torah to describe the unique swarming of frogs, even though swarming is not unique. Nandar of it, to put it differently. If frogs had a completely different way of swarming that is unlike any other creature, then you could say the word frog, just like it's a descriptive title for this creature, which distinguishes it from every other creature, including other shirotzim, in oisin, its appearance, its behavior, etc. And you could say tzvadeya also speaks to its unique kind of swarming. Even though that wouldn't be the easiest way to explain it. Because the word Tzvadeh should have also been a little different. Somehow voweled differently. Like for example, we don't call it Kinim when we're speaking about the swarm. We call it Kinom. As we'll explain. But okay. You know, we could have explained it. But as the But now that we know that the Torah uses the same word sheretz, which means swarming, both to des- to, to describe the frogs, right? That the the the, the, the um, that the frogs swarmed right across Mitzrayim. It uses the word sheretz as it used for other. So, if the word, the concept of swarming is not unique to frogs, and the word svardeya is supposed to represent swarming, we need some kind of proof for that. So he says, hakinam, that will show us the proof. In other words, that will illustrate to us that it's not completely out of the question to have the word Svardeya mean a type of swarming of frogs, which is not unique only to frogs. Sabonet movement, but still not clear. How's Rashi so absolutely certain that the word Kinnom means the swarming of lice? So when Rashi quotes the word kinam, he just says it means swarm. He doesn't prove it. How is that so obvious to him? He doesn't even bring an alternative. Yet here in our case, when he's trying to describe that Tzvadeh means the swarming of frogs, First of all, Rashi only puts it as the second explanation, as yesh loima, that possibly could say, that the word representing the swarm of frogs could be represented by the single word frog. 
There it's so clear in Kinnim, and yet it's not. So let's see how some of the Mephorshim try to explain it. Mephorshim is a Mazbir. Why is Rashi so convinced that Kinnah must mean swarm as opposed to Laos? It's because of the voweling. Look how it's spelled. Kinnah with the comments under the Nun. That's not a plural word because there would be a Chirik. Kinnah. And it's definitely not a singular word because then it would have a hey at the end instead of a mem at the end. Therefore, must be say the Mephorshim that Rashi can't see the word kinnom as referring to the species, not the badait von kinim, but rather to the behavior of the species, the swarming. Unlike them is move on. So the Mephorshim then continue. Now it would make sense. As der far is das ich nicht kein Fullerei, as ich zwar der main Shiruta Zwardim. That's why Rashi can't be so absolutely clear and convinced that Zwardeya actually means the swarm of Zwardeim of frogs. The Badas von der Lashen, was Tala Zwardeya is nicht talking a Chacha, as das meint etwas anders für den Namen von Zwardeya Belishen Yochit, because there's nothing in the word that distinguishes it from the singular for frog. In kinna, kinim, kinam, you see a difference between the word for swarming and the word for laus or lice. But in svardea and svardea, you don't see any difference. And therefore, Rashi puts it second and says yesh loima. That's how I'm referring explaining. And dosech de dirk von Rashi. And by the way, you can even see that in another word that Rashi specifically uses in his interpretation, where it says vechein vatiyakinam chulei. Look, it's also how it's described with the, with the lice that many lice are called kinam or the the swarming. Ve'af and also, in other words, it's not exactly the same. And then, of course, he gives the French to help explain it. It is interesting that here Rashi is giving us the French for a frog, even though the word Svardeim in the plural has already appeared before he didn't feel the need at that point to translate it. That's because we know what frogs are. Now that Rashi is talking about the swarming of the frogs, something already described in the Torah, so why now tell us the, the, the French? Why? That's exactly what he wants to tell us. That if you translate the word Svadea as a frog, the French word is Grinoa. I think that's how you pronounce it, something like that. The child knows this. It's his first language. It's even that way in modern French. But the same word, when it represents the swarming of frogs, that has a different word in French. Grenois meant, or oh, I don't know how you pronounce it in French, but Grenolira. You can look it up. They're, they're two different words in French. So, what's Rashi telling us? When it comes to Kinim versus Kinam, in the Hebrew language, you can see visually and hear the difference between the words. 
In Tzvadeya, in Hebrew, you can't see or hear the difference, but French helps you to know that there are two different translations for the same word. Even though there's no visible difference between Tzvadeya, meaning a single frog, and Tzvadeya, meaning the swarm of frogs, is the Pirish Grinoli Ra Belaz Nit Grinoli. Rashi shows us that the translation will clarify we're talking about the swarm, not about the individual frog. Now, when you consider that the Torah does refer to a swarm of, log- of lice as kinom, which is interesting because swarming is not unique to lice. So it's interesting that a word from the derivation of lice should mean swarm. Which was our big question. How can you say the word Tzvardea, which is unique to a frog, should represent swarms which are not unique to frogs? As therefore, with all of that information, knowing that Kinnom is used to represent swarm, put the old French translations together with the principle that it is possible sometimes to describe a swarm even if the swarm is not unique to that species by the name of the species so it's possible to suggest that means a swarm of frogs Perhaps with that information we could also explain why Rashi first brings the Midrash before the Pshat. Because as we've just shown, the Pshat is not so posh. It's not so clear that Svardaya must mean swarm. So it's a secondary answer. That would be the explanation the Mephoshim give. But we can't really leave it just at that and say that that's the one reason why Rashi puts the Medrash first before the Pshat because the Pshat is not so easy. It needs to be built on a whole mixture of understanding the French translations and the precedent of Kinnom, meaning a swarm. Let's understand why that's not enough reason to put the Medrash first. If Rashi wants to show us clearly that a particular explanation fits the simple understanding, as opposed to the Midrashic understanding, Rashi has two ways that he could tell us that. He uses one of the two expressions. Either he says, like in our case, he says, the simple explanation is X. Or sometimes he says, the simple explanation of the text is as follows. What's the difference? It's quite simple to distinguish. If Rashi is saying the simple understanding of the text, what he's telling us is, as the period is like in Pshat Mikra, then when you see the context of this entire piece of scripture, then against the backdrop of the overall message of this section of Torah, the Pshat is X. But when Rashi just simply says the word, the simple explanation, without using the extra words, the simple explanation in context, means Rashi is explaining what the word means in its simplest form or their union or what the topic means in its simplest form 
that Rashi is dealing with. And it may well be that the simple explanation of the word or the topic will not seamlessly fit with the context. So Pshutoi Shomikro means the simplest explanation of the context. Pshutoi means the simplest explanation of this subject. Now, with that in mind, the way it should play out in our case is, So why are we arguing that Rashi puts the Medrash before the Pshat is because it's a because the translation of a swarm of frogs is not so easy to fit into the meaning of the word Svadea frog. Whereas the explanation of the Medrash the translation works better because the Medrash is talking about a single frog and that would explain why the Torah says Svadea in the singular. If that's what Rashi wants to tell us, then Rashi shouldn't have told us the meaning of that word Tzvardea is a swarm. Rather, he should have told us, he should have said, the context lends us to understand that Tzvardea means a swarm. Because it wouldn't appear that the context has any evidence to support the great miracle described by the Medrash, that they beat the frog and it spurted out all these other frogs. So therefore, that would indicate that the first explanation is very much a medrash. A miracle that has to be derived through the methodology of medrash because it's not apparent in the words. And in the contextual wording, then, from the context, we can understand that Tzvadeh means a swarm. Rashi doesn't do that. He says, the simple meaning of the word is a swarm. And that doesn't seem to be the simple meaning of the word. And it certainly doesn't seem to give us a reason why the Medrash has to go first. And then there's a really big question which you probably thought of when you were learning the section. Because many of us think of it when we learn the section. Rashi has already explained to us in the beginning of Pashas Vayishlach when Yaakov sends a message to Esau and he says, As he says, I have, sure, sounds like he has one ox. Rashi says, no, it's typical to refer to a group of oxen by the singular term ox. It's possible to refer to a large amount of creatures by the name of the singular species. So why didn't Rashi do the same thing here, which would have been such a simple explanation. That the single word Svardea, which rose out of the river, actually represents the species of many, many frogs. The only reason it's in the singular is because it's a single species. Simple way for Rashi to explain it. You don't need all this convoluted stuff about hitting the, the, the frog and, and it spurts out all these other frogs. Why doesn't Rashi do that? Rashi is bothered not just by the presentation here of the word in the singular and what does it mean? How many frogs came out of the river? Rashi's got a bigger issue. Why is this the place, the one place, where Tzvadeh is in the singular. 
In Hemshech von der Parsha wird die Makke demon ganzen zehn Mobile Shein Rabbim Tzvardeim. In the entire story of Makkas Tzvardea, the plural word is used ten times. So why is this the one exception? When the frogs initially come out of the river, it's one frog in the singular. Is there fun gedrungen as das meint nicht als Sheimamin? Must be that it's not describing the species because everywhere else we talk about the species, we're talking about plural frogs. No, the pasuk meint domadigish zaindim loshin yochid. Here the Torah is clearly highlighting the singular language frog. Because something must have happened here at this moment that only happened here at this moment and it's relevant to the singular word. And that's why Rashi, Rashi goes into the Medrash which says, well, what happened over here is this is the one time, the only time that there was a single frog. Which would explain as the Pirisha Medrash why the interpretation based on the Medrash, which is not Pshat, it's the deeper analysis of Torah, has a great value and is a lot easier to come to terms with than to translate Tzvardaya as the swarm. In context, the Midrash gives us a brilliant explanation for why this is the outlier, for why this is the only time in the entire Makas Tzvardea where Tzvardea is said in the singular why, because here it's one frog. Makes perfect sense. Whereas when you go with the so called Pshat interpretation, which is that Tzvardea actually means the swarm. So fine, that would accommodate why the rest of the story uses Tzfardim in the plural. Because the only time it really makes sense to use the word in the singular is when you're describing the swarming. So it's when they arrive that they're swarming. But Actually, that raises the question in the opposite direction. The truth is it should have only ever spoken about the frogs in plural if you're talking about a swarm. As we've explained, the singular term of here is not easy to understand. It needs all kinds of layers of interpretation. Especially when you consider that as soon as the frogs came, the the magicians of Egypt went out and they made frogs in the plural. I said, why do you have to say Tzvardeya? On the far brink of Sashal Pshat, that's why the Pshutoi goes second because it's not so easy to accommodate. On the Pirash Medrash is the Erishtone, Iker Pirash, the Fip Pshutoi Shomikra, and the Midrash is actually easier to understand in the Pshat than the Pshat of the word is to understand in the Pshat. Because it's easier to understand. Tzvardeya is the exception in the singular because at this point it's one frog. That makes sense. But we still have a question. But then, with this brilliant explanation of the Midrash, that one frog means one frog, why does Rashi think that swarm is more the pshat of the words? Because pshutoi, the simple explanation of the word, why does he think that the swarm of frogs is a better translation of the word? It's the beer in them. To explain that, those was Rashi is also in Spavon is not placed the schwerkeit mit zadam shine iloshen. So to understand this, we have to realize Rashi is not only addressing the fact that there's the switch from plural to singular, which raises eyebrows. 
Now, Nochmer, there actually seems to be a big issue here. Aaron is given an instruction, and what happens next does not seem to be the fulfillment of that instruction. When it says that he conjured up, he brought up one frog out of the river, surely contradicts the direct instruction that the Ebeshter gave to Aaron in the previous Pasuk, which was, stretch out your hand with your stick, and bring up frogs in the plural. Ah, so he is told to bring up frogs, and what happens? He brings up a frog. The fact that it says, first bring up and then the frogs, which is nitfi by Makassar state, which is almost the exact opposite of how it works with the locusts. There it says, Stretch out your hand for the purpose of the Makas Arbe, and then they will come up. And the Derech Zebad Yander Makas in similar language applies to the other Makas as well. Here it says, Vaha'al, that the whole point is Vaha'al, bring up the frogs. Is moven, as the Tzivitzar and his nit, Bagrenetz blaze to the Achon and Aschalof and the Teis Yotram and Matecho Goimer. That tells you here, the Ebesh is not telling Aaron, you stretch out your arm to prepare for the miracle, to prepare for the makkah, like you stretch out your arm and then the locusts will come. No, your instruction is, you make the frogs come up. Your job, your mission, Aaron, is to bring frogs out of the river and many of them, Sfardim in the plural, so Rashi is bothered by the explanation according to the Medrash. How does Aaron fulfill his responsibility to bring out frogs if he brings out one frog? Therefore Rashi draws our attention to the language of the Medrash. The Egyptians beat that frog. And it spurted out streams of frogs. Yes, when Aaron put out his arm, one frog comes out. But what kind of a frog was it? It's the kind of frog that doesn't spawn in the normal birthing process, new frogs. It spurts out frogs. Which means, just as if you would hit the water of the Nile, water would splash. You don't hit the Nile and that creates new water. That was the uniqueness of this frog. That came out of the Nile. Makes no difference now who hits it. Therefore, Rashi doesn't tell us who hit it. Like the Medrash Tanchoma says, that it was specifically the Mitzrayim who hit it. Which explains, Now we know clearly why Rashi would not borrow either of the other two opinions quoted in the Medrash and in the Gemara. That he whistled for them to come. That Rabbi Lozman ben Azari, that he whistled. Or spawned this massive amount of frogs like Rabbi Akiva. Because both of those opinions would not answer Rashi's key question, how does Aaron fulfill his obligation? Both of those opinions say he brought out one frog. One frog is not what they just asked for. 
Und der Rebbe hat sich aufgetan durch Scharka der Schritze. Those extra frogs that Aaron was told to bring, either the first frog brought them or produced them. So, according to Rabbi Akim and Rabbi Lozim and Azariah, it would seem that Aaron did not fulfill his mandate. The farm was Rashi bringing them Pirish as Matez as Nechilim. That's why Rashi specifically chose the more extreme version of the miracle that that frog produced the other frogs. So Aaron effectively brought all of the frogs and they just came spurting out as the Egyptians beat that frog. So now that we have established that the Pasuk tells us very clearly that Hashem's instruction to Aaron was to bring up many frogs. Something in the Pasuk has to at least allude to how Aaron fulfilled that instruction. Because we don't see a Pshat correlation. The Pshat is Hala Satsfardim and Vatala Satsfardim in the singular. So it's important, and that will explain why Rashi uses this as his heading, because that can mean two things. The simple explanation, that frog came up out of the water. Base al mafil, vataal could also mean to cause others to rise. That frog caused other frogs to come up. So look at how the Medrash describes it. It addresses both of them. Aaron caused the one to come out of the water. He did exactly what the Pasuk says. And that frog then became the one that produced all the other frogs, which is the other, Vatal. You see this in the words in the Medrash. First, the Medrash tells us it was one frog. And then also means that one frog spurted out all these other frogs. That will explain why Rashi brings the drash, the drashic approach. And that's why Rashi quotes this Midrash, not the part that it's spurting out more frogs as part of covering Mitzrayim, because it's part of It's part of the initial miracle which was uh, initiated by Aaron. Now, that actually works well with the language, right? Tzvardea in the singular fits beautifully with this Medrash. And Vatal has both interpretations, fits beautifully, right? The Medrash fits beautifully with the Pshat. Rashi still tells us, but that is Midrash. Because the Midrash approaches that these two different explanations, I find them from Vatal Atzvadea, the two different ways to explain the word Vatal, one that the frog came out and the other that it caused other frogs to come out. Both happened. That doesn't fit the Pshat. That one word implies two processes. That's the language of Medrash to, to, to see two different processes in a single word. If you want to take the most basic analysis of the word, 
you'd have to say that the word Vatal has one message. Vatal. So Vatal, one process happened at that point that had to fulfill the message or the mandate that Aaron was given by Hashem to bring many frogs. That therefore, the pshat, the simplest way to explain it is, Tzvadeh doesn't mean a frog, it means a swarm. And therefore, Aaron did his job. Yet Rashi still reserves that only as the second explanation on the Pirish Ha'ikri's Midrashi and the Midrashic explanation that was a single frog that got beaten up and exploded into all these other frogs. That comes first. Is the Pirish Ha'medrash Mematim Subshutish Shamika Kanal Sifei? Because as we said, Tsradea, meaning a single frog, is a much easier translation, and therefore the Midrashic explanation that goes with that interpretation is closer to Pshat and comes first. And base secondly, Oichdeet, some updates from Vort Tsradea, as Megratic let him Pirish from Medrash, we let him Pirish as Dosmen Shirus at Tsradim Kanal Sif Gimel. And as we've explained, to get to the point that Tsradea in the singular means swarm needs quite a bit of mental gymnastics, whereas to say Tsradea means a single frog which is the Midrash approach, is easier, closer to Pshat, and therefore comes first. Now that's going to teach us a de- deeper perspective about how we engage with mitzvahs based on this Rashi. We know that the general principle is when you start a mitzvah, finish it. Like Gemara goes into quite a lot of heavy detail, including about some very great people, about what happens if a person starts a mitzvah that they could finish and they don't. Beyond that, especially when you're teaching Torah to somebody else, the way that you teach to somebody else is you have to place it in front of them as the expression goes, like a table that is set and ready for them to eat. In other words, they shouldn't have to do any additional work. You should present to them in the best way possible. If you start teaching, teach the full way. On the one hand. On the other hand. What if you know a slave for circumstances beyond your control. You're not going to be able to complete the mitzvah you start. So you'd say, well, I don't want to get started. A person should never restrain themselves from starting a mitzvah. And you should at least do what you can. We have a great example of this. Moshe gives us a great example because Moshe designated the three Ari Miklot to the east of the Jordan River where he could actually designate land as Ari Miklot. Even though they would be completely meaningless until they would be able to establish the Ari Miklot inside Eretz Yisrael, which was only going to happen many years later. Why? Because his attitude was, if I have the opportunity to do a mitzvah, I'm going to do it. Even if it's not going to be perfect, even if it's not going to be complete. So there's this paradox. Start a mitzvah, finish it. Can't start it, you can't finish a mitzvah, still start it. Now what if you have a bit of a question, a doubt? I don't know. I don't know what the conclusion of the mitzvah is. I don't know what it's going to take to complete the mitzvah. Is mitzvah so if it's a positive mitzvah like giving stocker. You don't know what it's going to take to finish the mitzvah. Do more. Give more. You don't know. Maybe you haven't yet completed the mitzvah. Give more stocker can't hurt. 
of a mitzvah, al from Malkus. But if there's a mitzvah, where perhaps to fulfill it, it's a mitzvah that's going to harm somebody else. So perhaps to fulfill it, I can get away with less. Is lo Yosef. Don't add more. Pen Yosef in case you overdo it and a person is, is, is harmed. To the extent that Gemara Makas tells us that the Torah says 40 lashes for a person who deserves lashes and that the Chachamim reduced it to 39 because you do them in sets of three and let's rather keep it. Okay, so maybe we won't fulfill the mitzvah but at least we won't harm anybody in case we overdo the mitzvah. That same balance between if you've got a positive mitzvah, rather do extra. If it's a mitzvah that may cause something negative, rather be more cautious. You'll see this reflected in Rashi's two opinions. The first explanation, which is the Midrash perspective. That Aaron was one who brought out the frogs or the frog. But the fact that those frogs then spread through the whole of Mitzrayim, Aaron didn't physically do that. That was the result of everybody else beating the frog. Whereas the second opinion says, The Pshat is, means the whole swarm. Aaron produced the whole swarm, which then covered the whole land of Egypt. So what's the purpose of these frogs? Two possible purposes. Aleph bepashas, the simplest is, makin go from the Mitzrayim. They were there to afflict the Egyptians. So if the, uh, if the purpose is to afflict the Egyptians, Aaron's job is you have to afflict the Egyptians. He's got to bring out the whole swarm. That's the mitzvah. How do you fulfill the mitzvah? How do you fulfill the mitzvah? You've got to bring all the frogs because you've got to afflict all the Egyptians. Based the other angle is apula kede parazol derfun darshan and lenin asetavs and denoch vashalcha soam. Or you could say the purpose of the frogs is to wake Paroi up to the realization that he has to let the Jews go. And if that's the case, then Aaron's job is create the catalyst that they'll react and they'll actually be the ones who cause these frogs to, so to speak, wake themselves up. In Andervet, put it differently. If you look at Torah through the eyes of Medrash, then you also look at the interpretation of the instruction to Aaron. What is its purpose? It doesn't necessarily have to be many, many frogs, as Vahalas Hatsfardim might sound according to Pshat. Could be, actually means you bring out one frog and then they will cause that to transform into the, into the great plague. Because this is about the possibility of harming others, like the mitzvah of Malkus, is but to rather reduce what you're going to afflict and don't, you know, don't overdo it. So now you don't have the concern that maybe I'm going to overdo the mitzvah, maybe cause too much. I'll bring out the one frog. They'll already cause the rest of the frogs to come. And that gives us a lesson. The balanced lesson of how a Jewish person should behave. From the perspective that Aaron brought one frog and the rest took on a life of its own. That teaches us. 
if when we're talking about something which has a negative aspect here harming the egyptians we're told whoa do your peace but you know hold back is for sure if it's something positive do your peace and don't hold back Make sure you don't miss out from doing the shlemus of the mitzvah. Okay, so a mitzvah which could harm somebody, you still got to do. How much more so a mitzvah that can help somebody do and do and do and don't stop. And then, of course, the second explanation, which is that Aaron brought the entire swarm. So, in other words, he did the entire mitzvah. Then we have the lesson. We should always try and do a mitzvah till the finish. And if we have, for example, the opportunity to fulfill the mitzvah, to draw another Jew close to Torah, and specifically to Torah learning, so then we dare not be satisfied with doing the initial job of bringing them through the door. We've got to see it through to its fullest conclusion. Work with the person and work with the person and work with the person until it is like they have their set table where the Torah is, the Yiddishkeit is consolidated. But what happens sometimes you don't have the capacity. You can only start the mitzvah. You're only in a position to get the person through the door. Maybe you don't have the wisdom, you don't have the time, you're not going to see them ever again. So a person might think, What's the value in me starting to do something with that person? I don't know if it will have any lasting effect. Who knows what's going to happen later? Maybe it will just be a, you know, a wasted opportunity. If then come there, Amura as mitzvah shechad kaima kaimena to that the mitzvah the the message is if you have the opportunity to do a mitzvah do the mitzvah. Or bechlau and dafsech nitarain laws in a cheshbonus. It's actually best not to start overthinking. But the kafshir achmon elomelach as the Gemara says, don't start working out the Eibushda's secret plans. Dos nitzaynes. It's not our business. Adafon ebenonton. Our business is to do, to be proactive, to reach out. Vivon noreken to the best of our abilities. To bring the other person close. And you know what happens when we do that? When we do our best to the best of our abilities to reach out and draw another Jew close, Debesha combines our best intentions with a practical application. Which means that the Ebesha finishes the job for us. When the Ebeshter concludes the mitzvah that we began with our good intentions and best abilities, of course it has to be best abilities, not only good intentions. And the Ebeshter can finish the job in a way that is completely unrestricted, unfettered, doesn't have the limitations that we have. To the point that it's the most amazing, incredible way that that mitzvah could be fulfilled.